0: Good morning, church family. Our scripture reading for today comes from the book of Romans in the New Testament, and we are in chapter 8. Again, our scripture reading for today is from Romans chapter 8. I'll give you a moment to find it in your Bibles, either electronic or paper, and we will begin reading at verse 1 together. And so he condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind is governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading, the hearing, and the doing of his word this day. Amen.
1: amen praise the lord somebody hallelujah it's good to be in the house of the lord this morning can we all of us eight of us give a a hand clap of praise as you spread around hallelujah isn't god good somebody say we still have in church amen amen we're having it here you're having it there with us in your homes and in the various places that we all are and we praise god for this opportunity. Uh, would you repeat after me? Lead me, Holy Spirit. It's right here, right? Say it with me. Lead me, Holy Spirit. All right. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. Let us look to God as we in a word of uh as we begin in a word of in a word of prayer. Amen. Hallelujah. Give me a second. Praise God. Amen. I'm so glad that grace is more than a second. Amen. (laughs) Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Let us pray. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, gracious and uh, comforting Holy Spirit, we're grateful for this moment right now to give you praise, to honor your name this Sunday morning, this first day of the week, as the first church did and gathered together to, to lift up your name. God, now help us at this time to understand and know you, Holy Spirit, more your person, and your work. In Jesus' name we pray. Let the church say amen. Would you give God a hand clap of praise even where you're at? Amen. Praise God. I'm going to try to get this whole television in the picture. Amen. Praise God. Uh, I feel like I want to say, anybody a 70s child, I want to say good morning, boys and girls. So I feel like I want to, I don't know, I have an urge to say that. I don't know what's going on. Romans (laughs) 8, Romans 8. Romans 8. And let's look at uh, that scripture I'm preaching from the series of sermons entitled The Person and Work of the Holy Spirit. The Person and Work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, That is the subtitle. Uh, The title is The Blazing Center of the series. The Blazing Center. Uh, Amen. Who knows that the Holy Spirit is the blazing center of our life and mission as believers and as the church. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. All right, we're in Romans um, chapter 8 um, and uh, preaching this week and next next time on the Holy Spirit, and I believe that will be all fire that I'm going to do, but we'll see what God has for us. Amen. And we're in Romans chapter, chapter 8, and let's just have it open right there, and that's fine, but let me start uh, by saying, and then I'll read a couple of verses, but let me stop start by saying this as the title is lead me Holy Spirit one thing we have to understand when we think about leadership in the Holy Spirit no one can control you because they cannot condemn you we say that again no one can control you because they can't condemn you that's gonna sink in for a minute And I'll say it this way. It'll be up on this screen right here, I believe. Control comes from the supposed right to condemn. Control comes from the supposed right to condemn. Try to poke a hole in it. I tried for this past week. I I haven't been able to, but you might. But I I can't do it yet, so we're going to let it stand right there. Can we let it stand for a minute? control comes from the supposed somebody said that that's good right to condemn but no one has the right to condemn but God himself can i get an amen no one has a right to condemn someone but God himself and God himself has given us all a way out of his condemnation hallelujah and that's through his son can i get amen that's through his son look at romans 8 verse 1 and 2 therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in christ hallelujah now if we went back In verse 24, I wasn't planning to do this, but I'm planning to do it right now. Just look at verse 24 in chapter 7. Paul is going on and talking about all the good and the not so good that he's doing, has done. And then he says in verse 24, he says, what a wretched man I am who will rescue me from this body. That is subject to death. And then I love verse 25. That's a, church, that's a church scripture right there. All scriptures church scripture. But that's a churchy church scripture. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now go back to verse 1. therefore there is no con- now no condemnation for those who are in. Picture that. Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus the law of the spirit who gives life, has set us free from the law of sin and death. It's simple. There is a law that leads to life and a law that leads to sin and death. Something's buzzing over there. Y'all Y'all can unplug something. That'll be helpful. Uh, To me, amen. There is a law that leads to life and a law that leads to sin and death. There, There are only, let me be clear, there are only two roads. There are just two ways. I think we think there are more. But according to the word of God, come on somebody, there aren't. Now, we try to create other ways, let me explain, by mixing together some forms of these two ways. But there is still only two ways. Come on, somebody. And as soon as you mix the two, mix them, you've chosen the latter way. Not the way that leads right, but the the way that leads wrong. Anybody know there's two rows? Come on. There's the wide road. Come on. And the narrow road There's one way, one way to heaven and one way somewhere else. Come on, somebody. In fact, there's no purgatory. Come on. And in fact, partially following the law of the spirit that leads to life and the law that leads to sin and death may be harder to fix than being completely under the ladder. What do you mean? Because when you're fully the when you're fully the wrong thing, at least it's clear. Right. (laughs) You, You you don't have to deconstruct your life to find ways to find parts, the parts that are wrong. But that's not really the best way to figure out the things you do that set you free and those things that enslave you. You see, here's what you need to do. You have to see yourself in Christ. Paul is painting this picture. Verse one. He's painting this picture. So I want you to see the picture that he paints. He says, verse one, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are where? In Christ. Picture yourself in Christ. If you're in Christ, there is no condemnation. You got that. Fix it. I mean, see that in your head. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So if you're in Christ, there's no condemnation, which means every place outside of Christ, you are subjected to being condemned. Right. So think about you being in Christ and every place outside of Christ, you are you are subjected to being condemned. Right. At least supposedly condemned. Come on. But also condemned outside of Christ, because only God can condemn. Isn't that right? You are subject. You and I are subject to being controlled. Remember what I said in the beginning. No one can control you because they can't condemn you. Right. And I'm saying it a different way, but you get it. No one. Somebody say no one can control you. Amen. Because they can't condemn you. Hallelujah. Why can't they condemn you, pastor? Because you are located in Christ. And there is now no condemnation for those who are where picture it in Christ. Picture it. You're in Christ. You're in the body. Of Christ, you're in the body, inside the body. Picture it of believers. You are in Christ. You don't have to place yourself in Christ. There is nothing you have to do once you accept Christ. You stay in Christ. Come on, somebody. Amen. Verse one. Look at it in verse two again. Therefore, now there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ, because though because through Christ, picture it, no condemnation for those who are in the body, right, of Christ, in Christ, because what? Through Christ. See, there's an in, a location, and then there's a what? A passageway. Come on. Because there is, because through, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ, because what? Through Christ, Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life, has set us free from the law of sin and death. So the law of sin and death is operating for those who are outside Of Christ, while the law of the Spirit is operating for those who are inside Christ. Picture it. Uh, Type this or write this. What happened for you to be in Christ that was that you went through Christ? Let me say it again. What happened for you to be in Christ was that you went through Christ. I said it right that time. First, I did say it the right way. What happened for you to be in Christ was that you, hallelujah, went through Christ. Jesus saved you by making a way for you. You are in him because you went through him. You got it. And because you went through him, he gave you his spirit. Right. You're in Christ because you went through Christ and because you went through Christ, he gave you Jesus gave you what his spirit and his spirit gave you a new life. And that new life has set you free. Picture it again. Picture it. All that freedom that takes place. Only in Christ, all that freedom that takes place, takes place only in Christ. In Christ, every place outside of Christ, there is condemnation. Every place outside of Christ, there is slavery. Every place outside of Christ, there is someone or something trying to control you in some way or another. Write this down or type this up. Control comes from the supposed right to condemn. Remember? Maybe you already wrote it down. I'll say it again. Control comes from the supposed right. You got it now to condemn that's deep verse 3 for what verse 3 for what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh wait a second the law was weakened by the flesh right what the law was powerless to do because it was what weakened by the flesh god did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering and so he condemns sin in the flesh let me stop there get this now the law doesn't give you life because your sin weakens it let me explain having the highest standards cannot save you and die. high standards can give you goals but they cannot be the foundation of your life Listen to me. People make standards the foundation of who they are. They make having high integrity the centerpiece of who they are. They try to make high morals define them. But the moment you fall short, the moment you fail, those high standards, those high morals cannot hold you up. Can I get a witness? They can't keep you because they don't have the capacity, listen to me, to forgive you. Well, then I'll just have lower expectations. I'll just have lower standards for myself. That won't work either. Why? Because the lower your standards are, the more mediocre your life is. So I'm not saying you don't have standards. What I'm saying is, is that standards don't make you righteous. Jesus does. Standards do not bring you freedom. Jesus does. Standards only hold you up when you meet them. Standards only hold you up when you meet them. That's good. Standards are weakened by your flesh. You got it, right? Because they only hold you up when you meet them. That's why they're weakened by your flesh. You got it now? Look at verse 3, just to the first comma. In verse 3, for what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh. Write this, type this. Standards don't hold you up when you fail. Jesus does. Standards don't hold you up when you fail. Jesus does. Hallelujah. When I read the rest of verse three, let me start at verse three again. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. Jesus, listen to me, didn't just meet the standard. Watch this. He fulfilled the standard for you and I. That means. The standard doesn't apply to you in that it does not control your fate. Because it already applied to Jesus because he became a man. Let me go back. Watch this. I'm going to say it again so you really get it. Jesus didn't meet the standard. He fulfilled the standard for you. He didn't just meet the standard. Oh, He met it, but he didn't just meet it. He fulfilled it. That means the standard doesn't apply to you in that it does not control your fate. Because it already applied to Jesus because he became a man. You see, let me explain. You see, the law didn't apply to God because God created the law for man, right? Man wasn't created for the law. I think Jesus said that, yes he did, that the law was created for man. But the, the, it did not apply, the law doesn't apply to God. Because God created the law. So God became human so that his own law would apply to him. Got it? But the thing about God is, is that he can completely uh, complete any high standard because he's God. There's a song uh, that we used to sing uh, when I was a young choir member. Don't worry about what God can do. If he did it for others, he can do it for you. You see, the biggest, what does that mean? The biggest thing God did for you is that he put a hedge of protection around you by placing you, picture it, inside of him, inside of Christ, the moment you went through Christ to have a relationship with God. How did he do it? Verse 3, I'm so glad you asked. How did he do it? How did he do it? The second sentence in verse 3. And so he condemned, how did he do it? He condemned, and so he condemned, verse 3, second part of it, sin in the flesh. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us. In us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Right. You see that? Can I go on? Somebody say go on. It'll help me find it because I get blind as a bat. This is just my... Okay, we'll stop there then. Verse 5. Oh, no, we'll go right there. Verse 5. Thank you so much. <laughs> verse 5. Those who live according to the flesh, verse 5, have their minds set on what the flesh desires. Right? But those who live according to, in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. So here's the contrast. Either we are focused on self-centered things or spirit things. Watch this. Notice that I didn't say either we're focused on self-centered things or spiritual things. Notice I said spirit things. Why? Because spiritual things are largely defined today as selfish things. When people outside of Christ talk about spiritual things, and some of us, uh, 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 a few of us sometimes, when we talk about spiritual things, we're talking about selfish things. When the fact is, write this, type this, spiritual things are not necessarily spirit things. Let me say that again, (laughs) hallelujah. Spiritual things are not necessarily spirit, big S, spirit things. Big S. Spiritual, small s things are not necessarily big S, capital S, spirit things. Society, see, has mixed the two and has confused much of the church. Remember, I said there's two roads, two ways, two laws, not three, not four, not five. We try to create something. People try to create a couple of ways, more ways, but there are only two ways, right? Right. Wide road, narrow road, right? Society has mixed the two uh, things in two ways and has confused much of the church. The Bible says you are not your own. You were bought with a price. So it says, so honor God with your body. It doesn't say honor yourself with your body. It does not say, I'll say it again for somebody who's listening to me, it does not say honor yourself with your body. If I see one more post about how people honor themselves with their own body, I'm going to scream at my smartphone. That's what a lot of, I'm talking about Christians. That's what a lot of Christians do now. They are into honoring themselves with their own body. But you are neither the master of your fate nor the captain of your soul. Hallelujah. You were bought with a price. Anybody know we were bought with a price? Jesus bought you and I with his own blood. And because he bought you and I, we are, a, we are slaves to God. But watch this. Wait, I thought I wasn't a slave. You are a slave to God because you were bought with a price. But listen, write this, type this. But slavery to God is freedom in the world. Slavery to God, write that down, type that up, is freedom in the world. Slavery to God is freedom in the world. Maybe I didn't put that in there. I apologize. Anita Baker said it. I'll say it today. (laughs) Slavery to God is freedom in the world. Hallelujah, somebody. Look at verse 5 again. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds Set on what the flesh desires. Somebody read with me. But those who live according, in accordance with the spirit have their minds. Read it with me. Set on what the spirit desires. Thank you. What your mind is set on will, let, will tell you what, who you're living according to. Let me say it again. What your mind is set on will tell you who you're living according to. What are you looking or what are you thinking about in the morning? What is your mind set on? What are you thinking about this afternoon? What will you be thinking about? What are you thinking about in the evening time? What is your mind set on? Straightforward. What the Holy Spirit desires? Is that what your mind is set on? Or what a self-centered life desires? Look at verse 6. Because the mind, look at verse 6. The mind, does it say the mind there? Governed by the flesh is death. That's what it leads to. Doing things that lead toward a life in the here and now that is destructive. Right. Headed for self destruction. Right. So but the mind governed by the spirit is what? Life and peace. See the contrast. Picture it. Picture it. We're in Christ. Right. Then he talks about there's two ways. Right. Right mind governed by the flesh is death but the mind governed by the spirit is what write this type this life and peace come into your life when your mind is governed by the spirit life and peace anybody want life and peace come into your life when your mind what am i doing this morning what will i do this afternoon what am i going to do this evening when your mind is governed By the Spirit. Can I go on to verse 7? Let the church say amen. Verse 7. Somebody read verse 7 and 8 with me. Go. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. Somebody say, that's not you. Look at somebody say, that's not you. Look at yourself and say, that's not me. <laughs> Amen. Right? Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. That's not you. Verse 9. Can I read verse 9? Read it with me, just part of it, and stop when you feel me stopping. <laughs> verse 9. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. Let's stop right there. Not in the realm of the flesh. You're in the realm of the spirit. If indeed the what? Of God. If indeed you're in the realm of the spirit, not the realm of the flesh. If indeed the spirit of God. You do see that, right? You get it. Picture it. So the spirit of God is where? According to verse nine, right? According to verse one, we are what? You are what? In Christ. And according to verse Nine, the spirit is in you. You are in Christ, verse one, verse nine, and the spirit is in you. So you're in Christ. Picture yourself in Christ, in the body of Christ. Picture yourself in in the body of Jesus. And inside the body of Jesus, uh, you are. And where you stand in the body of Jesus, inside of you is his spirit. You are in Christ and the spirit is in you. Picture yourself in Christ's body and the spirit in your body. Wake up tomorrow and picture yourself in Christ's body and the spirit in your body. Wake up that way. And not just the spirit in your body, but the spirit living in your body. And, some, and, and, you, you, and and you communicating directly with the Spirit throughout the day. All right, what do you mean? All right, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do this morning? And when the afternoon comes, ask the Holy Spirit, what do you want to do this afternoon? And when the evening comes, ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, I got some plans, but what are your plans? What? Why does the Spirit give your body life? Verse 10, because of righteousness. That's why the spirit gives your body life. Because of what? Because of righteousness. Verse 10. Because of righteousness. The spirit gives your body life so you can live righteous. That not only happens. That only happens in the realm of the spirit. And you're already in the realm of the spirit, right? It's just all the confusion out there and surrounding you and I that we can forget who's in us. And who we're in. The spirit is in you and you are in Christ. Hallelujah. Verse 11. Look at verse 11. Get down to the end. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead. Isn't he talking about the spirit, right? Gives life not to your spirit. What does. Who does the spirit give life to? Your body. What does he give life to? Your body. And then if you read, it's proven that he's talking about the spirit giving life to your body, not just simply to your spirit. Come on, somebody. Because it goes on in verse 11. It says, if the spirit, let me go back to verse 10 so you can really see this. But if Christ is in you, then even though your what? Your body is subjected to death because of sin. The spirit gives life because of righteousness. It gives life to what? Your body. Right? And he proves it by saying, and if the spirit of him who physically, come on, raised Jesus, was Jesus just spiritually risen from the dead? And the same spirit, and if the spirit who, what? in Of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ. From the dead will also give life to what? To your mortal, right bodies, because of His Spirit, who lives in you. I love that that the Spirit of a Living God gives life to all oh, my spirit and my. Uh, I'm, but it's my whole self. Don't separate the two. He raises your body too. Come on, He gives life to your physical body. Come on. I've seen some preachers who are 80 and 90 years old who get up and preach, and you think that they had a, what? Come on, that they're they moving, and, 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 and because the spirit of the living God gives them life to preach his word. Write this down. My physical body gets life from the spirit. My physical body gets life from the spirit. Somebody can think about all the, Series of sermons I've been preaching: uh, honor your God, honor God with your body, and how it goes together. And then I went from that to body trauma. I spent like 14, 15 weeks on honor your God with your body, and spent a, I don't remember 11 or 12 weeks on a body trauma. And then I move into God would have move into the Holy Spirit, and we're still talking about the body. What a good time to talk about the body when we've been going through so much. My physical body gets life from the spirit. Verse 12, therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation. What is our obligation? It's not to the flesh, though. People think they have an obligation to the flesh. Let me tell you something. Was it Fireman Bill? Fire Marshal Bill. Let me tell you something. Right? Let me tell you something. Such a 90s child, right? A 90s a young adult not that child, right? We have an obligation, right? But it's not to the flesh, but let me tell you something. Let's say it this way. You don't owe your flesh anything. You don't owe your flesh anything. Oh, I need to, oh, I need to. For me, I need to do this for me. The question is, who told you that? The Bible doesn't tell you that. Who told you that it was okay To be selfish. We could put that up there. I think I gave that to you. Who told you that it was okay to be selfish? To live according to the flesh. Verse 13, look at it. For if you live according to the flesh, to the self-centered life, if you live according to being selfish, you will die. That means while you're still living. Walking around dead. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, come on, you will live living right now. You will live right now in today because you're in Christ and you came to be in Christ because you went through Christ. And because you went through Christ, the Holy Spirit is in you. And not only is the Holy Spirit in you, but you're in the body of Christ. You're safe in his arms. Look at verse 14 with me. Can I? And to put it all together, verse 14, and we'll get to the bottom. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. That's good enough right there. A definition of a child of God is one who is led by the Spirit said it again. A definition of a child of God is one who is led by the Spirit. When you are being led by the Spirit, you are defined here as a child of God. Because you are following God. That's what a child does. A child fa- follows his father. You are a child of whomever you follow. Let me say it again. You and I are a child of whomever whomever we follow you are a child of whomever you follow well I follow myself I don't follow nobody I follow myself then you're your own child I'll let that sit for a second if you follow yourself then you're your own child what you're following then is based on your own assessment of your own limited experiences that makes you in trouble That makes you a lost child with no daddy. I'll say this statement. It'll be up here. Some of us are slaves to our own experiences. That's good. Some of us are slaves to our own experiences. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be my own man. I want to be his son. Sister, you can say, I don't want to be my own woman. I want to be his daughter. I want to be his child. Anybody want to be God's child? Then follow his spirit. And you're defined as God's child in your daily life. Verse 15 and 16, let's end with this. Look at verse 15. It says, the spirit you received does not make you slaves. So that you, in in the sense that you live in fear again, fear of being controlled and fear of being condemned. Got it? Rather the spirit, read it with me. Rather the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. I I heard somebody talking about the Godship of man the other day and I just cringed. There's nowhere in the Bible talks about the Godship of man. That's made up. It talks about the sonship. Come on, somebody. The sonship of man, the Godship of man, uh, suggests that we are little G's. We're not little G's. I ain't a gangster or a little God. Come on, somebody. I'm a son of God. Come on, I'm a child of God. I can't do what God does. Don't get it twisted now. Let's not elevate ourselves. That self-righteousness not the righteousness we get only from Jesus. Amen. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to what? Sonship or Godship? Sonship. And by him we cry, Father, Father, endearing, Father, Father. Verse 16, the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children we know we're following when we follow the spirit the spirit testifies with our Spirit. you know you're god's child because the spirit tells you hallelujah and the spirit continues to tell you i'm done lead me holy spirit lead me stand to your feet holy spirit lead me